seven prowls. Treading water that they drown. My head on a swivel. Yeah. It's only really my surroundings. Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the Smash Accept Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Royer. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty underscore DadFF. And if you can't tell, I am amped up because we got John, we got Mung, we got everybody here. And we're going to talk about the things that can help you become a better Dynasty owner in 2023. I mean, we all learned some things. And if you didn't, you're not playing Dynasty the right way. I mean, you got to you get to this end of the year. You either won or you didn't. We talk about being top three, bottom three all year long. And John, I know you wore top three, bottom three in almost every single league. And this was a fun time of the year, but now I think we need to reflect a little bit. Oh yeah, man, this is the right time to, to do that. But yeah, I mean, if we're, you know, I think that kind of just throw it out there. I, I ended up winning five of my six ships and, you know, some of this came down to how week 17 was handled and I ended up chopping a pot because I, I was the commission right thing to do, but man, fantastic. Felt great to defend the, the championship in smash one. Quick shout out to our Dreggers. first ever. Yeah. Yeah. It was first that ever two time champion, you know, rush out of that one. Yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a big, you know, big money leagues that, that paid out. And so it was great. I mean, you, you want to do all this and you want it to result in something. Right. And I think mm-hmm. it's important. You know, we don't mean to be arrogant or bragging about it too much. Right. But hey, it, it turns out that we're actually pretty good at this. Right. And I, I was pretty much in the top three or bottom three across the board. Um, and I, and I will say this to celebrate my 101 and Smash Five. I did get a signed helmet of Bijan Robinson, kind of flashing that here. So that was that thing is beautiful cool sitting in the office. And um, you know that's that's going to be fun because off season going to be going rolling with all the rookies. And, and man, that the rookie fever is already kicking in in a big way. So anyway, I think it'll be fun to to break down. You know, how did we win some of these? What were yeah. some of the strategies tonight? And you know, give you guys as much of those tips because really at the end of the day, it is about the smash listeners and helping you all do the same thing. Yeah, and, and we we talk about it and we're not trying to we're just trying to put the blueprint out there. I mean, I was I'm in more leagues than you, but seventeen mm-hmm. for seventeen when it went to top three or bottom three. You know, like every single Beautiful. league I was in was top three or bottom three. Playoffs are one on one. And that's what you want. I mean, you want to be in that that buy range, and that's what we preach about so much here is trying to get off that treadmill of mediocrity. You don't want to be in that middle. And Mung, I know you had a fantastic year as well. Uh, feeling a little bit better, so I'm glad to have you back on the podcast. And uh, I know this is that time of year where we're just trying to figure out how can we get better for next year? You know, we got this off-season plan, and there's a lot of things we can cover on what what mistakes we made and what went right. Yeah, and really, uh, you know, 2023 season starts right now. Right, because the early bird gets the worm. Whatever, whatever uh, metaphor you want to use. That's right. Um, we know that the off season uh, player values and rookie pick values go up and down like a stock market. So you want to catch those peaks and mm-hmm. sell before the lows. And already, you know, a lot of a lot of leagues kind of have a bit of a lull, take a little break during the actual NFL playoffs. But for active leagues where a, a lot of the GMs are active during the playoffs, now's a great time to buy and sell. I mean, just mm-hmm. looking at the last two years or even last year, right? Gabe Davis was a huge sell high after his four touchdown game, uh, very similar mm-hmm. to Martavis Bryant a few seasons back, right? And you can really catch some of these players who do perform on a national stage where literally everyone is watching these games and that's where you're going to be able to find uh, some gaps in value where you are going to be able to exploit that. I love that. I and mean, Cam Akers is another one. I mean, those you sell during those areas and there's everything we talk about is cyclical. And this is another one. It's a matter of cashing in on those playoff values. And, and right now, I mean, the biggest thing is those rookie picks. Everybody is out there going after those rookie picks. I, I want to preface this before we talk too much into our pitfalls and things like that. But, I mean, this is the year. We've been talking about this on this podcast for 15 months now. How good, and that's not an exaggeration, how good this 23 class is. If you listened in the last year, you're invested. You know, like that. we are loaded up with 23 picks everywhere. I did a poll out there. You know, 63% of Dynasty owners 
think Bijan Robinson is the RB one overall, and they're out there, and that one hundred one yes, is, is through the roof, and I'm I'm on board with that completely. The one hundred two and one hundred three are already second round startup picks, and we were telling you guys this is where it was going to be, and they're already up there. I mean, this class is phenomenal. We're going to continue to hit them. I mean, we're already starting to talk to Matt Waldman, Matt Hicks. We're talking to all those guys that we brought on in the past and some new analysts. And John, I know this is one of your favorite times of the year, especially I, I think after I got you hooked in on that <laughs> that punt, you have literally yeah. taken the 23 class and Twitter by storm with those kind of things because it's just a fun class. I mean, you just can't help but get giddy when you got a bunch of picks. Yeah, and it, you know, it's just so much fun. I would encourage everyone listening to to go do a punt and you know make it like a a, a one year punt or maybe a two year build because this twenty three and twenty four class do both look stacked. And and I, you know, I've been having a lot of fun with the the weekly tweets and threads. Mm-hmm. We we just actually had another rookie mock with our Patreon that we went three rounds and we did it with projected landing spots. So that's going to be fun. So you start to get a feel for how different landing spots could change the values. But I think it's really, really important before the NFL draft that you as a dynasty manager do kind of assess the talent level of these rookies before they ever land on a team. Cause like I hear from a lot of people like, Whoa, Whoa, what are you doing? It's way too early. Why would no. you even mess around with it? So this, this is why it's really important pre-draft to get your foundation. So I have pushed, you know, at least three rounds worth of rookie rankings out there for that reason. And we're mm-hmm. chopping it up. We're going to get the analysts in. I personally think this is the most fun part of the season. I like to look at film and, and look at some analytics and bring in, you know, some, some legends in the game that we've had like Angelo or Waldman or Hicks or these guys because we want to learn from them too, right? We have, we still have a lot to learn. And these guys have been doing this a lot longer than we have in terms of grinding film and, and, you know, you know, guys like Waldman that have been doing it for a couple of decades, you just sit back and listen and, and kind of perfect your rankings so that when you do hit those rookie tracks, you are nailing these picks and making this punt pay off. So really can't wait. I'm going to be around and, and mixing it up, chopping it up with, with the crew all off season. And that leads me to my first my first cautionary tale and something that I, that I've done for years and it, and it bothers me, you know, like I always do it. And, and Mung, I'm always trying to win. I, I want to win, you know, and, it, and in one of my leagues, I got down and I'm like, you know what? I've lost Pollard. I lost Derrick Henry, no trade deadline. I traded up Devonta Smith in the one Oh five for McCaffrey and, and Brady. Now that did win me the championship, but now I'm like, ah, oh, man, I just gave up the 105, right? And I, I'm notorious for doing this is I, I make this last second tinker and I, I just I just try to just manipulate it just enough to have that sexiest possible starting team out there to win the championship. And some of them pays off, some of them doesn't. I mean, other ones, you know, I ended up trading 23 firsts I, to get, one of them was to get, I gave up 111 to get Kirk Cousins. Man, that hurt. You know, Tom Brady on my bench. Mung, for me, that's my one of my cautionary things is to try to just know when to make that last move. A couple of my teams, Smash 5, I won, and I had Brady and Mac Jones as my quarterback, and I was sitting there trying to throw out picks and trying to move, and I'm like, no, I'm just going to roll with it, and ended up winning them. Some of my other ones, I'm overpaying late in the season, giving up in that particular sense, sense giving up Jackson Smith and Jigba, who I absolutely love. So, Mung, I know... You know, I, I tend to do that too much, and that's a big thing for me is trying to hold on to that draft capital a little bit better, not being so, you know, being a little bit more trusting with the James Connors, with the you know the Deontay Foremans coming in there and playing, and and I think I could become a better dynasty roster uh, and a, an owner in that sense. Well, I mean, it's all risk reward, right? And we have to remember that it, it might be super nice to be looking at a roster that has you know, five twenty twenty three firsts and a bunch of young players. But ultimately, you know, we, we play this game to win championships. And at the same time, you have to remember whether it's 10 bucks a year, 50 bucks a year, 100, 500 a year, you know, you're, you're paying dues, right? Yeah. So you can say, oh, I've got a sexy roster for this rebuild, this retool. But yeah. at the end of the day, you need to get ROI on those dues or ultimately you're just slowly losing over time. And remember once you're in the fantasy playoffs, anything can happen, right? Those sexy rosters with Josh Allen, 
And, you know, who? how many teams had just Jefferson, Jefferson and got knocked out mm-hmm. of the fantasy playoffs? Because fantasy is a weekly game, right? And we, we talked about this during our in-season shows where you can go all in, but that doesn't mean you necessarily have to go and trade for those huge, huge names, right? I, I won one of my leagues with Richie James and uh, I think it was Zach Moss in my flex spots. Right. You just have to find the hot players at the right times and exploit those matchups. So, yeah, I mean, in general, you definitely want to try and preserve draft capital, especially when we know that the 2023 and also 2024 class Mm -hmm. uh, are both very talented. But at the same time, I'm fine with going all in it all. You know, at the end of the day, we talk about this a lot. You really have to be able to accurately evaluate your roster and the other rosters in your in your various leagues very well said i love that uh, and the one thing you said that i'm huge on is your, is your roi you know 2021 i had 2.5 x my money this this year i doubled it and i think that's an important thing to look at is like what kind of league you're in because you should always be looking you're playing a game, but you're also trying to, you know, win some money to buy B. John Robinson autograph helmets, you know, which is <laughs> just go, awesome. Uh, John, you and I have yeah. discussed this off off stage and things like that. Mm-hmm. There's nothing more frustrating than I had three teams where I went 13 and one and you, you get into the championship. We've discussed potentially different ways to win the championship, right? Different scenarios to mm-hmm. pay out different scenarios. Yeah for the playoff system. And I, I think there's a lot of lot can be said to the way that FFPC runs their playoffs yeah. because there's so many teams where it's like, as Monk said, the best team doesn't always win. It's a week to week thing. It's skill to get into the playoffs. It's luck to win it. Yeah. And some fluky things can happen, especially when it's later in the season and we have weather and we have like, you know, this guy like a Justin Jefferson has his worst game of the year. So I think FFPC does present, a model that I think right now is maybe put it up for a vote in your league. If you have some kind of league members that have, that are a little upset with that, like why should everything come down to this one week, make it a two week playoff, right? FFPC takes the top four teams. They do actually, the way they handle this is one and two still do get a buy and they advance to the semifinals, if you will. Right. But that semifinals ends up becoming a two week playoff. So you got mm-hmm. the final four teams, that will take the total number of points scored across both week 16 and 17, right? And I wouldn't go as far as to, to take it into week 18, right? Because yeah. then we have a lot of teams that are resting their players, et cetera. So week 16, 17, two-week playoff, best team wins. And it just gives you maybe a little bit better um, chance if you really do are, you know, that top dog and you don't want to just lose, you, you weren't, you're in a 13 and one or 14 and 0 team that just somehow drops that, that one week. Right. So that's worth considering. And, um, you know, we're all commissioners here, right. So we can chop it up with you guys and, and find different ways, creative ways to improve the competitiveness and the league integrity, uh, for your league. Very well said. I mean, I, I love that in general. And I, I, I still come back to, I almost brought it home for smash, except in the pros versus Joe's FFPC, I needed 15 points from Mixon to win it all, and it didn't yeah. count. You know, and I, like, that's a different story. We're not yep. going to bring yeah, that up. Me too. Just, a, just a little sour. <laughs> Mom, what was the biggest thing that you learned from 2023? Like, what was that biggest thing that you're like, you know what? Like, we, we talk about it, that it's cyclical, and that we, we it's very easy to predict some things. But what was different about this year that you're taking into 23 that's going to make you and make, make our listeners a better Dynasty owner? Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, this applies to more than just fantasy, but just to manage your emotions, right? Because a lot of people kind of get on tilt, which is a poker term where, you know, you kind of freak out when something goes goes wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you lost Cooper Cup in the middle of the season on a team that was absolutely stacked. Or let's say you had, um, you know, Josh Allen and Jamar Chase on, on, a, on a championship roster and, you know, that game ultimately got canceled and it is what it is. And, you know, maybe that's not the outcome that you wanted, but it's okay because you still have a good roster heading into next season, right? And there are teams where you might be really disappointed that you didn't make the playoffs or you lost in the championship game or you lost third place or whatever it might be. But you have to take an objective look at each roster and say, 
is this good heading into 2023 or do I need to make changes? Because a lot of times we tend to overreact to whether it's injuries that happen or players that Mm -hmm. underperform and we want to blow up teams, right? We want to be excited about the 2023 class and acquire those rookie picks. But a lot of times, you know, as you said, if for the listeners of the show who have been listening over the last year or so, those 2023 picks are already super expensive. So it might actually be worthwhile to just hold on to your players. And even a team that maybe barely missed the playoffs could still be in good shape to contend. And while everyone's fighting over these rookie picks, you can grab some of these veteran players by potentially trading away a 2023 first for a lot of value, even though it's a talented rookie class. Very so really smart. just, you know, manage your emotions, um, really do an objective evaluation of your team heading into the off season, but really each and every week. Mm-hmm. One thing I've yeah. been reminding myself is process over results, right? We have a process here at Smash Except that we've gone over and over and over. And if, you know, the the best team doesn't always win. So I have a lot of people reaching out and be like, hey, I didn't win the championship. Should I blow this team up? And I'm like, I'm still looking at that team. And I'm like, no, like you are still going to win with Stefan Diggs. You're still going to win with Derrick Henry. I mean, yes, once the season rolls around, can you try to cascade off of that? Absolutely. But we're not, you're, you're, you have to assess your team, right? We talk about this all the time on our show, but right now is another time where you literally have to assess your team. You have to look at it. And, you know, in Smash One, I did this last year, right? And we were like, I was in third place. I didn't do, or fourth place, actually. I didn't win any money. And I'm like, I'm just going to blow this thing up, right? And you can see now that that's starting to take some shape. Other leagues, it's like knowing what you got on your team. And I, I have, yeah. I've been really active on Twitter lately, just saying, send me your rosters. I got over 40 of them this week of people like, what do I do with this dad? What should I look? And I think you have to really look down and really dig deep and be like, what do I want to do with this team? Like now is the time you formulate the plan. Let's execute the plan. And by the end of 2023, you're there. You're either the 101 or you're winning the ship. Yeah, I'll definitely add to that. This really, I mean, this is the point that Mong made earlier. It's like, yeah, okay. You could take a step back and take a breather and just enjoy football. And I think we can do that, but it is still the perfect time while it's fresh on your mind to assess your teams. And I think that, again, I like Mung's advice. Don't necessarily need to go on tilt here or overreact. You may have lost in the ship, but just, just take a look. I mean, were you, for example, crushed by injuries, right? You lost JT, Javante, Cub, Trey Lance, whoever it may be. Well, you're getting those guys back, right? So, okay, that's a huge factor. You know, if you if you didn't necessarily lose anyone and you still lost, okay, that's a different type of assessment, right? You know, what was missing from your team? Did you have certain position weaknesses, right? What what do you need to do to adjust? And and the other advice I'll, I'll give you all too is get ahead of the game a little bit. It's very much related to this assessment, right? And part of our process, but get ahead of the game and look at maybe go through your roster and figure out who, who are these guys are going to be free agents and is it going to help or hurt that player if they move to a different team or, you know, do we see maybe like, for example, we heard nuke could get traded today. Like you're, you're keeping on top finger on the pulse. He's hearing the news and you're still actively working your roster. And that that's really what we always preach here, right? The active owners are often going to be the ones that come out on top. Right. And, and so actively assess that roster and start looking at the off season before everyone else can head a game and make those moves. And you, you definitely will profit if you do. Yeah. And I, I think the position to do that right now, and if you guys, we started a podcast, smash or pass myself and FF nerd boy just recorded. If you guys haven't listened to it yet, it's, it's excellent talking about the running back position because we are in a, a spot now where we've never been. I mean, this running back rookie class is the best that I can remember since yes, 2018 sir. or maybe better. And this free agent class is, is crazy, right? I mean, yeah. you look at Saquon Barkley is a free agent. I mean, yes, he likely comes back to New York, but that would change up. Josh Jacobs is gone. He is not going to be with the Raiders. He is the rushing leader, only 24 years old. That's going to shake up the market somewhere. Miles right. Sanders, Eagles, maybe bring them back. But if he goes somewhere else, shakes up the market. David Montgomery, Tony Pollard, 
Devin Singletary, Alexander Madison, Kareem Hunt, Raheem Mostert, Deontay Foreman, Robinson, Kenny, Damian Harris. These guys are going to have an effect somewhere. So if you look at it, you take these, you know, eight to ten guys. You take, I I, I put it out there, there are at least, you know, I I believe I saw Blake Corum's going back to school. John, is that correct? Yeah, that's that's the one that we kind of lost out But you look at Bijan's going to go someone. He's going in the first round. Gibbs looks like he's going first round, maybe early second. You know, Charbonnet's looking in the second round. Tucker, second round. Bigsby, second round. Evans, second round. Maybe the third round for uh, Miller, Mitchell, Achain. Is it Achain? Yeah. How do you? Eight chains, baby. Eight chains. Not two chains. Um, But what you're looking at there is these are day two draft capital running backs. You have nine, potentially now, nine guys going with a day one, day two draft capital. You have at least eight to nine free agents who have starting caliber play. And then you mix that in and it's like there is a lot of value to be had here, you know, is – do I predict that David Montgomery is going to go somewhere? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are situations. Someone's going to go to Miami in a juicy situation. Someone's going to go to Atlanta. Someone's going to go to all these different spots because I can't remember a free agent class and a rookie class ever looking like this. Yeah, Mung, you'll have to jump in here too, but you know how excited I get about this. But I, I think really the point is be very careful. And you put a nice thread out on this, Dad. But be very careful in investing big in running backs right now because this running back landscape is about to change dramatically. And it, yeah. you almost can't even look at the last couple of seasons because just the sheer amount of talent coming into the draft and the free agent class is absolutely stronger than it has been in recent memory. And yes, some of these guys are going to re-sign, but we're talking about 15, 20 guys that are they're going to do start. Fiona is going to have a new starting running back next year no question in my mind Mm -hmm. and so you just really have to be careful because those guys could get drafted over or they could get moved to another team they could get um, moved to a situation where they're in a committee or the backup running back so it's very important that you're you're careful about the running back landscape i might consider investing elsewhere um, and reduce the risk a little bit mog you're you're kind of a risk averse dynasty manager yourself what do you think about the situation well, I am risk adverse overall, but I actually do think heading into the off season and heading into free agency, that's where I like to get aggressive um, because that is when I feel like some dynasty GMs are hesitant to make trades because they want to see where mm-hmm. uh, you know the different players end up signing first. Um, but I think that's where you can gain value, right? Because if you're taking advantage of situations that you kind of project, Um, whether it's a a running back getting a starting job somewhere or a different running back selling before an inevitable signing, whoever it might be. I I do think that you can find, again, different gaps where you're going to be able to increase value by selling high or buying low. And again, it's a gamble, right? Because nobody knows um, where different players are going to end up signing in free agency or where uh, different teams are going to make drafts. But there are off-season reports that link players with former coaches mm-hmm. or link GMs who like to draft a certain way or to trade down in the draft. And there are some nuggets where you can make educated guesses on where mm-hmm. you think players are going to end up. Like, for example, I'll say right now, one of my bigger sells this off-season is going to be Tony Pollard because I think a lot of people are going to be super hyped on the fact that mm-hmm. you know he's finally going to be hashtag free right? Because people have wanted him to get a starting job over Zeke for so long. And whether the Cowboys move on from Zeke or whether Pollard signs elsewhere, people are going to be very, very excited. But at the same time, we have a track record of, you know, when teams don't use players like workhorses, generally uh, they know something that we don't, right? They see these players day in, day out at practice, in games, And Pollard himself has said that he gets, you know, winded when he gets more than 15, 20 carries or 20 touches a game. And maybe he isn't a guy that you want in a workhorse role. So I I do think that, you know, you kind of have to zig when others zag, right? In terms of following the hype where players are getting super overhyped, you want to sell. Or at the same time, you can also buy, uh, buy high, right? Like last year, I bought Saquon Barkley over the offseason 
even from teams that did value him highly, because I, I thought that he was still a value even at a late or mid first valuation. So I think actually heading into the off season, heading into free agency is when I want to be more aggressive mm-hmm. and the early weeks of the season, when we don't fully know yet if certain players are for real or certain usage is for real. That's when I want to be a little more risk adverse. Very well said. I like yeah. that. I, I have Pollard as one of the guys I'm willing to buy because we saw what he can do and that if he comes back to Dallas, there is that potential out there. But there are very few guys right now that, you know, I don't see some type of competition coming in, you know, and I think that's going to change things a lot. Uh, John, one thing that just dynasty owners out there, we're, we're so worried about age, you know, and I think mm-hmm. we've, it feels like we've like grown up as a podcast with these guys <laughs> as those heavy hitters. But part of that thread that you spoke to is I put, you know, Mike Taglier had a, a a great breakdown of this several years ago where he showed that after that age 27 season, you know, you were only a 10% likely to be a RB1 if, after you got over 27. And you look at that group right now, and that's going to be Mixon, who's you know going to be 27. McCaffrey's going to be 27. Chubb is now 27. Dalvin Cook is going to be 28. Kamara's going to be 28. Zeke's going to be 28. Eckler's going to be 28. Connor, Fournette, Jones are all going to be 28. And Henry is going to be 29. So it's like, how do we navigate that, right? I think this is one thing that I know you're going through this in Smash Except One. I'm doing this right now in some of my, you know, some of my big time contenders is when do we sell that age cliff, right? I mean, we've held on to these guys right now. Doesn't seem like the time, but talk to me how you run through that in your head, right? Like you have won Smash except year one, year two. Now you're you're well ahead of the game monetarily, but what do you start to think of with these running backs in this particular age group? I mean, because I'm starting to zig, like Mung said, I'm starting to zig when other people are zagging because everyone's just selling them on the cheap. Yeah, I, it really is um, important to evaluate each roster, right? But, you know, this is it's funny that you bring this up because this was actually the year that it absolutely paid off to have the the older bet running backs that are still producing, right? If you oh, look yeah. at the top 12 running backs, it was it was a lot of the guys you just rattled off, right? And, and, and you know, a lot of my rosters, yeah, go ahead. And, and, I mean, in the startups, we were screaming that, like rounds five, six, seven. Yeah. John – Nerd Boy just did a draft. Derrick Henry, mm-hmm. Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook went in the ninth round. Yeah, and I, I, you can absolutely build rosters off picking up those guys, and and you know it's the it's the play to win, compete strategy. It, it definitely paid off for me in Smash One two years in a row, and it, it was guys like Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon that I ended up taking in in the startup or early mm-hmm. trade and trading for guys like Eckler because you can take advantage of this view on age and at running back, those are often the guys that will end up winning you those ships. Now they're also quickly depreciating in value. They're like cars. You drive them off the lot and they immediately boom, just reduced in value. But, but Hey, you just, so you really need to go take a look at each of those and um, try to head it, stay ahead of the cliff for each player. I don't, you know, I think you can look at a lot of the analytics and, can pick a specific age as, as a guideline, but you really need to kind of get, look at each player. And, you know, is it, is it finally time that you might be to, to move on from Derrick Henry? Maybe, um, you know, I think those are the kinds of things we're going to chop up during the, the off season, but depending on where your overall roster is, yeah, you, you really may need to, to start moving mm-hmm. off of some of those running backs and start to diversify a little bit, bring in some more youth and balance it out a little bit. Or you'll you'll wake up one day and you're not going to have a competitive roster anymore. So yeah. again, you got to stay active here. And I think I I'm starting to be like I'm not believing in the age cliffs as much as as past. I mean, you look at what we were talking about before, where DeAndre Hopkins, Devonte Adams, you know, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, they were winning you championships. These running backs here were listening. They were winning you championships. So it's something that you need to really depending on your roster, look at and see what you really want to do with those particular rosters. Mung, anything to add to these veterans? Because there's a lot of a lot of talk right now of like, you know, what do we do with those? And for me, 
now seems like the worst time to sell a, a, an aging running back. Yeah, I mean, we'll dive into more player-specific analysis in the offseason. But in general, at the running back position, um, I, age is obviously a factor. But I also look at how the running back is used. So I'm a, I'm a little bit less worried about guys um, like Austin Eckler and Chris McCaffrey, who, number mm-hmm. one, um, catch a lot of passes. Um, because we know that receptions and receiving yards are so important, even in standard formats, and obviously even more so in PPR formats. And number two, I'm a lot more worried about those touchdown-dependent producers, right? I mean, in hindsight, um, there's maybe should have been a little bit more concern about Jonathan Taylor, who dominated uh, two seasons ago in large part due to touchdowns, but it was more injury that that derailed his season this year, not so much the touchdowns because he was involved as a pass catcher, um, but more so for guys uh, like Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, right, who had double-digit touchdowns mm-hmm. this year, even though they weren't particularly efficient and they weren't super involved as receivers. So it's more the archetype of how the running back is used than necessarily just purely their age. Um But, you know, in general, I would say it's important to really look at different splits rather than just their season-long finish. Um, I know know smart analysts always look at the points per game average, uh, but even beyond that, looking at, you know, strength of schedule in hindsight, right? Looking at just how they're used, like even Amon Ross St. Brown is a good example because his stats are very much tied to that of Jamal Williams, who I think led the league with 16, 17 rushing touchdowns. And I think at least five or six of those, Amon Ross St. Brown got tackled like inside the five yard line. Um, so obviously, you know, lack lack of top end speed is part of that. Um, so I'm not, I'm not saying that touchdown regression is necessarily gonna hit in a huge way for mm-hmm. St. Brown, but I think it definitely will a little bit. Um, so really it's just using the off season to look deeper into more than just the points or even the points per game production. Yeah. One, one last thing to add here, because I had to look this up while we are talking about it. As to the point I made earlier, the average age of this year's RB1, wait for it, 26.25 years old. It's still so under the, that 27, though. No, it's I'm still, still under the 27. But, like, there, there is this constant concern from Dynasty managers mm-hmm. on age of running backs. And, again, this year – that was really the case. And by the way, they were in an average of their 5.8 season. The top 12 running backs on average were nearly in their sixth season. The only two players that were first time running back ones were Tony Pollard and, and our boy Ramon J. Stevenson. So well, the, the biggest it, thing that I'm starting to think dynasty wise is I know people always say two to three year window, but John, I mean, that doesn't go for the Dalvin Cooks, the Christian McCaffrey, right. the Brees Halls. That's right. That goes for the. Damian Pierce, that goes for the guy in that situation, right? Like these guys, we we have to kick that out. We have to. Yeah, the rookie contract thing, right? Brees yeah, Hall this... is not going to be in the league for two to three years of relevance. He is going to be a relevant running back for five or six. Bijan Robinson isn't going to be a guy where you're like, well, I got to sell him in year three years. He's 21 years old. You're going to get six good seasons out of him at least. I mean, you know, like, yes, injuries can happen, but I think that's, that's a little bit of a, a cautionary tale in my own, you know, assessment of things. Yeah, that's it. I, I and the other thing that we were talking about, if kind of throw you a segue here, Dad, is when you when you then look at wide receiver, it's almost like the opposite is true here. Yeah, right? it's a very very shallow free agent class. Like it's I, I looked this up, there's like Jacoby, Juju, Miko Hardman, Alan Lazard. Like it quickly, like that's it. So yeah, so, we're going to see some trades, but yeah, what do you think? For startups, and we've we've always talked about this, it's built around those wide receivers. If you're rebuilding mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. now, it's around those wide receivers. No matter yeah. what, if you can make a move where you can get off of one of these running backs who could lose value and you get that wide receiver, it's not going to get shaken up that much. I mean, yeah, there's there's it's a stable Smith, wide receiver market. Smith right? and Jigba, yeah. Addison, Quentin Johnson, you know, there's some nice wide receivers in this class, but the fact that 
that alpha is probably going to stay in that spot as opposed to some of these running backs. And I think transitioning from that into this class, John, one thing that I'm really trying to do that I wanted to do a better job last year. And I'm, I'm really, I, I put a tweet out there earlier today. It's navigating the tiers of the rookie ranks early, right? Huge. I want to yes. look at this right now. Bijan is in a tier by himself. Mm-hmm. The the prices to get Bijan Robinson are absurd. And we'll be doing a whole podcast on that, I'm sure. To me, I've now gone with a second tier of just the quarterbacks at two and three, Same. you know, of young and mm-hmm. And then I have a, a I I know yours is a little bit bigger. I have Gibbs in in Jigba at four and five by themselves, and I'm trying to get into that area because I think those guys are going to be true difference makers. But there's another tier at nine. There's a tier at two o two, two o three, and I'm starting to tell people now. That's the cheapest time to move up, right? Is like, hey, you're looking at this and you're not super educated and you look at the difference between 112 at Josh Downs or 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 you know, maybe Michael Meyer or 18 or 9 at Sean Tucker or Zach Evans. That could be huge. But you might be yeah. able to move up cheaper now than you clearly than you will be in a month, in two months and definitely not by the time yeah, the draft rolls around. No no question about it. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, right? But First of all, it's good process to build those tiers, right? Based on the talent before anyone gets drafted, right? And and I do have slightly bigger tiers that I like to then start to break down into smaller tiers as I get more information throughout the offseason. And, you know, we're going to go through the senior bowl. We're going to talk about the combine, all the pre-draft workouts that are going to happen, team workouts. And I start to then look look at more film and analytics. I'm listening to the analysts on our pod and, and I break it down further. But to your point, once you have those tiers, that's really an important piece of information for you in your rookie drafts. Because if you have a group of players that are roughly all in the same type of talent tier, then you can move within those tiers. You could trade down. For example, mm-hmm. if you're sitting at four or five, you think you could pick up another asset and move to eight and still get a similar caliber player. On the clock, though. We're moving up on now. The, move yeah, back. Yeah, on the on, on the, the clock. clock or or let's say there's one player left in a tier it might actually be worth trying to trade up to get that guy mm-hmm. and give up an asset to get yourself a premium player like a jameer gibbs for, for example or a jackson smith and jigba who i have at the top of that tier that we're just talking about so that's really going to be an important part of the process and coming back to this discussion of wide receivers right i think it is always key to build your dynasty rosters around wide receivers, but let's say that you're weak there right now, right? You, you, you've just analyzed your team. Wide receiver is not your strength. We just, just, just determined there's really not going to be hardly any free agent movement at the wide receiver market. It's a very consistent, stable market. Then you may want to put yourself in position to get one of these top five wide receivers in the rookie draft. I think all five on average are going to go in the first 12 picks of this mm-hmm. draft. Right. And part of it is because we kind of demand we just talked about. There's a lot more of these running backs. There's a lot more depth in the running back class as well. So it's a shallow wide receiver free agent class. And it's kind of shallow on the rookie class. Now, the good news is you got Jackson Smith and Jigba. Like you said, you've got Quentin Johnston. You've got Jordan Addison. Those are kind of the current consensus top three. But I really like Keyshawn Boutte and Josh Downs as those next two. I think all five are going to go in the first or maybe early second. So you need to start thinking about this now as the, the value continues to climb. It's like, you know, it's it's a seller's market right now, but get in before the prices go any higher. And among, I mean, we, we talked about this and I think you said something about the, now might be a time to use that 23 capital. I have seen trades recently where I've seen Chris Olave, Drake London, go for 110 to 112 range in this class because of the rookie fever. And we've seen what those guys can do. Is is that a, you know, should we be going after those kind of guys? We've seen what could possibly happen. Cash in on a little bit of that rookie fever while it's hot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it all goes back to finding those peaks and valleys in value, right? We know that the rookie pick market is heating up and will only continue to heat up as we get closer to April and May. Um, so now is potentially the time to sell a pick if you can get a haul, right? Mm-hmm. If you do think that you're getting a huge overpay, no matter how good the rookie class is, if you're getting, you know, a guy like Alave or Garrett Wilson plus 
for one of those mid round firsts, then I think it's still worth yeah. evaluating and looking into those potential deals. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I'll be looking into closer this off season, where generally we want to build around those elite wide receivers in dynasty and especially in rebuilds. Um, but I might potentially look to sell high on some wide receivers this mm-hmm. off season, because it feels like with the influx of uh, recent good rookie classes of wide receivers, I mean, we've got the Jefferson and chase uh, top tier, obviously, but also with the 2021 wide receivers. And as you just mentioned, John, the incoming class in 2024 as well, it feels like a lot of teams are going to have this one, a one B type of setup, like an AJ Brown and Devante Smith or like a Jamar chase and T Higgins. And Uh (coughs) excuse me, if you can get, you know, a first plus Higgins for chase, if you can get a first plus Devante Smith for AJ Brown, if you can, sell and you know as you like to say tear down mike uh from some of those top tier assets i might actually consider doing that because it does feel like more and more we know that the nfl is becoming a more pass heavy league yeah and it almost feels like the go-to is having a lot of depth with these wide receiver twos who can have top five games every single week um and getting that additional draft capital on top so again just some food for thought that uh, a thought that I've been toying with given what we've seen over the last couple seasons um, where we, it might be time to start evaluating that. Oh, we want that to build around those elite wide receivers type of strategy. Mung, I love it that you're back on, man. That's exactly what my next thing was going to be. And this is the thing that, be, even before Smashing Step was a podcast, the thing that I coined was that insulated trades. Guys, it's huge, you know, being able to scale down. And I put a tweet out about this and people don't realize, they saw what I wrote and they go, well, this is bull. There's no way you got this. And I'm, yes, I did. Because we take what's happening right now and we make insulated trades. I traded Kittle for Schultz in a random 23 first. It became the 105. So now that's Schultz and Smith and Jigba. And Jigba's worth more than Kittle. I traded Waddle for Pittman in a 23 first. That first became the 101. So now it's Pittman and Bijan for Waddle. Tyreek for McLaurin in a random became 103. So now we look at we're getting, you know, we're going to get Stroud and McLaurin for, for Tyreek. Eckler for DJ Moore in a 23 first, which became the 102. It's like if you can get those random 24 firsts, and scaled back. It's going to get hard to get those 23s. And to Mung's point, where if you can trade yes. Chase for Garrett Wilson plus, you know, we're probably going to have to start dipping into 24. 24 class sure. is also yeah. fantastic. Yeah. The wide receivers mm-hmm. might be better. The running backs yeah. are not quite the same, but they're going to be a, a good volume. Guys, insulated trades are the way to win in Dynasty. Every single one of these are two-for-ones. And one guy flat out called me. He's like, you're a liar. This stuff doesn't exist. I showed him the picks. He's like, how did that happen? Because everyone thinks they're going to win at this time of year. Everyone thinks that random first is going to be late, right? But then an injury happens. You know, all these things start piling up. And now that guy who was looking like 107 to 112 is now the 102. And you ended up getting that guy at 102 is worth more than that player. You got two pieces worth more than that one. And that's how you make a really, really quick adjustment. And you guys saw that in Smash 1 too. I mean, all those, today I traded Jamison Williams in a 24 first for Waddle to go the other way because now mm-hmm. I'm I'm ready to win. I'm, I have that extra capital from stripping it down. You know, it's a matter of collecting those picks and knowing when to throw them back in. Sorry, I, yeah, get, like, yeah, I get passionate no, when great. it talks about, because insulated mm-hmm. trades are just, that's your thing, I get baby. giddy, man. Like I just get excited. Yeah, and, it, yeah and, and it's finding and capitalizing off the name value, right? Because mm-hmm. this time last year, you could have uh, sold Deontay Johnson for George Pickens plus a first, and correct. they're probably pretty close in value right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you probably could have gotten Jahan Dotson in a first for Terry McLaurin. And, you know, who knows who's going to be the target leader on that team in 2023. Yeah. Well, and the debate right? in the Patreon guy said he got Chase, someone offered. Um, for Chase, he got offered AJ Brown and the 108, and you're like, "Yep, like, yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. You're getting two. I mean, he was wide receiver five this year. You know, you got those kind of situations where if you can move back, and we always talk about assessing those breakouts, know who that next guy is going to be. But even in this situation, moving 
back from Jefferson, moving back from Chase, moving back from Lamb, Waddle. You can just keep moving back to a point where you're gonna your team's gonna be stacked with these 23 and 24 picks more so yeah, than any years past. That's right. Now, it, one thing I did want to reinforce here too, and it sounds like we're kind of talking about it both ways, right? Like, get these 23 picks; they're only going to continue to gain in value. But you can also take advantage of that peak value, right? Mm-hmm. I want to want you to hear this. Like, I think that it's a really smart strategy if you have a ton of 23 picks to maybe trade down and pick up more 24s again, and kind of think of it as a two-year build. So if you're getting the 24 first plus another asset. It definitely is something to consider. You already mentioned the 24 wide receiver class is going to be perhaps even better. So if you're looking at wide receivers and you have maybe a two-year type of mindset, it might make sense for you to trade down on the 23 pick and pick up a 24 and another asset or a couple of 24 picks. Maybe it's a first and a second, et cetera. So think through those kinds of things. We can help you break those kinds of trades down. But I really like that that idea in a rookie draft as well and spreading out these assets over a period of time yeah yeah and it's i mean you guys smash you have a ton of them in smash five smash three i have one through ten and i got i put a tweet out and the guy goes so, and i have eight seconds he goes well you can't draft them all they are the safest thing there is yeah. they are that's like saying he goes well yeah. you have too many Liquid. that's like saying i got too many hundreds in my wallet <laughs> like I, no it's not i'm going to use those hundreds for other things you know, yes. so it's like draft the guys you want, start talking with your league mates. Once you get past 107, in my mind, you start thinking about getting 24 first plus cash in on the rookie fever. I mean, there's so much of that that can get there done. It and Boom. it's just, we're, we're going to be hitting that all offseason. I'm so excited because this class is just so much fun to really, you know, jump into. Mung, what's another thing that, I mean, we're, we had so many things we're throwing out there, but to help perfect the process. I know we talk about the process all the time, but what are some other things to really make yourself a better dynasty owner? Yeah, I mean, really it's just anticipation, right? I mean, kind of knowing the the cyclical nature of the NFL season and off season. Um, You know, I I tweeted out earlier this week, uh, some of my buys at each position. And one of them was Marquise Brown because I expected DeAndre Hopkins to be moved And now the announcement has officially come out that Arizona uh, is looking to trade Hopkins this offseason. But if you were looking ahead, you should have expected that anyway, right? Mm -hmm. That they would have, after they moved on from Kingsbury, especially given the situation that they're in in a very strong division, that they'd be looking to retool and that Marquise Brown could be the clear number one heading into 2023. And if you'd made a trade offer for him over the last week or so prior to the announcement, I mean, his value probably spiked quite a bit um, after today when the news was official that Hopkins is likely going to be moved. Uh, Or even, you know, kind of looking at why players either overperformed or underperformed based on expectations in 2022, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Drake London, how Mm -hmm. much of his struggles were because of Marcus Mariota and how many people are going to look at just the end of season finish for London and say, well, you know, I don't I don't like London very much. Um, you could probably sell Garrett Wilson for Drake London plus plus right now in some leagues. Right. And Kyle, or, Kyle Pitts to be, you know, like mm-hmm. in that same yeah. wavelength. Um, yeah. Injury is huge, too. Right. I mean, look, look at uh, we already talked about Marquise Brown. But what about Jamison Williams? Right. You could probably get a first plus Jamison Williams for Amon Ross St. Brown in some leagues right now. Um, so, I again, okay. just kind of looking at the evolving situations of what a roster is going to look like in 2023. And also remembering that, um, you know, key free agents or rookies, right. Who, who are the likely candidates to trade up uh, to get Stroud and young, right. Mm -hmm. Where are the potential landing spots for Tom Brady and Daniel Jones, right. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of these players may have been held back by quarterback play. And all it takes is a big free agent signing or, uh, you know, a, a big rookie uh, landing there. And then all the all the surrounding cast, their value is going to go up. So if you can make the trade for them before that happens, you'll be sitting pretty. John, I, yeah. that's a great point, Mung. And yep. I, I had a thread out there about guys that I'm buying low because 
Mm-hmm. If you guys listen to the podcast, we hit Ramondre Stevenson, we hit ETN, we hit Pittman, we hit Hollywood, we hit all those guys. For me, there's a couple guys out there that I think are just still too cheap. I mean, there's I have seen yeah. these are some trades I've seen recently. Daniel Jones finished QB eight. I saw yes. someone gave Tua for Daniel Jones in the one oh eight. That's a win. Like I saw another one where a guy gave Tua and got Daniel Jones and a projected early twenty four first. Trevor Lawrence is a guy that we predicted in October that was going to kind of blow up. I saw a guy mm-hmm. get the 103 and Trevor Lawrence for Justin Herbert. I saw Lawrence and a 24 first for Lamar. I mean, there's. I saw the 105 and Trevor Lawrence for Justin Herbert. You know, at the wide receiver position, Jerry Judy. You know, he kind of finished out strong. I saw a guy get a 24 first and Judy for Pittman recently. Like these are some deals that people have been talking about. Calvin Ridley. I saw a guy get mm-hmm. Ridley in a 24 first for Allen Robinson in the 111. Like these are the ways that wow. you win. Yeah. Like you're going to get these these upticks. Hawkinson in the 106 for Kelsey. I saw a bunch of trades with McBride. I mean, there's so many guys to go out there and buy that are cheaper, you know, and it's it's hitting them at the right time. Uh yeah. I saw yeah, a guy get It's it's just this is who are those guys for you that you're going out there and buying because I think yeah. I think now's the time. It, it is. And, and let's just play one thing out that Mung, I love the, the kind of the, the mindset that he was just getting into with where do we expect QBs to draft a new QB in the draft, excuse me, teams draft a new QB um, and, and where your surrounding cast will benefit from. Right. So mm-hmm. today it's really looking like fairly obvious that the Texans, Colts, Panthers, let's throw Raiders maybe mm-hmm. in there are some prime candidates that are going to get a new QB in there. So, okay. You mentioned Michael Pittman, absolutely a buy. If the Colts manage who are now sitting at what four mm-hmm. in the draft, I mean, they, they have a shot at CJ Stroud, potentially um, they, they could get one of these top rookie QBs um, for sure. They're going to upgrade. No question. So Michael Pittman is going to get a much stronger QB situation. Jonathan Taylor is going to be coming back as well. The Colts are going to be on the rise. Texans, okay. Nico Collins might be an interesting flyer right now. Panthers, DJ Moore might finally <laughs> get a real-life QB, right? Fingers like, crossed. Yeah, Devontae Adams, what's going to happen there? But it looks like the Raiders may get um, you know, a strong QB. I mean, there's even rumors of you know Brady and Rodgers could have head there, right? Who knows, right? What you know? Do we pair – Tom Brady back with Josh McDaniels, like that would be kind of fun, but you, you got to do this before everyone else starts mm-hmm. to clue into it and, and, and buy ahead of the curve. So those are some of the kinds of things that we're talking about um, buys right now. Just some of those wide receivers are going to get QB upgrades. So the running back position is super deep. We we've been over that. We want the wide receivers are at the top guys. The quarterback position is like narrowing, right? There really will is. be scenarios where Jimmy Garoppolo. Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill, you know, these guys could be in different positions, even to a point where you could see Huntley, Minshew. I mean, there's like these guys that you just get thrown in deals. There are not enough quarterbacks for teams next year. You know, like there are going to be two quarterbacks that come out that could start day one. But there, yeah. there's, there's in my when I was looking at it, there's at least eight jobs that are wide open right now, at least. And there are not eight good quarterbacks to fill them. And there's going to be some scenarios where if you can get out ahead of that, if you can get, I, I got Jimmy Garoppolo thrown in a deal the other day. He's not, mm-hmm. he's not the guy in San Francisco anymore. They've proven that yeah. Purdy's going to be the number two behind Lance. And now Garoppolo's going to go somewhere else. It's going to happen. You yeah. know, like start right. thinking ahead. Well, and we talked about this a lot in the pod and Mung, you should jump in here too on this, but this was kind of the year of the backup QB. In fact, I think it was an NFL record in terms of yes. the number of QBs that actually started games in this season. But look at, I mean, I'm looking at my own championship rosters here. There was guys like Geno Smith, Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, Gardner Minshew. These are all guys that you, in, in some cases, picked up off of the waiver wire or got for cheap. We're talking like mm-hmm. you could pick up these guys for a second, maybe at one point in time. And, you know, I had those guys representing my QB too on um, at least one of my you know championship rosters all four of those guys so now is the time you're making these moves whether it's a jimmy g or one of those one of those guys or maybe it's you, you think baker or where's Derek carr gonna go maybe you can get tom brady for cheap yeah. sam darnold what's gonna happen with him these guys could be available for very cheap but they could end up being that piece that is 
in your starting lineup in the ship. I think the biggest thing coming out of that is if you don't have two elite quarterbacks, you don't have to go up and buy it now. That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. Like you definitely want to have one of those top eight to 12 if you I can. Agree. But it's a matter of like, hey, don't overreact. And that's a problem that I've done over the past years is try to look at my quarterback too. But then you realize you can roll with a Jared Goff. You can roll with Kirk Cousins. You can roll with you know some of these other guys that are, are going Absolutely. To, to kind of put them in there. That's, that's great. Mung, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, from the quarterback position perspective, uh, you know, again, just be wary of or, you know, try to anticipate things that could happen, right? Speaking of guys who might have helped win you titles or gotten you to the fantasy playoffs this season, um, Seattle, Geno Smith, it certainly looked like he was revived, especially in the first half of the season, but he did falter a little bit over the second half, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't think many are expecting them to beat the Niners this coming weekend in the playoffs. And you have to remember the Seahawks have the fifth overall pick, right? Where they could easily take a quarterback or trade up a few spots. Um, Same thing with Detroit who barely missed the playoffs, right? Mm -hmm. Jared Goff, where is he going to be next year? If the lions end up drafting quarterback at six, or if they end up moving up a couple of spots, maybe with someone like Arizona, right? Who it sounds like they're giving Kyler Murray input on the next head coach. So as of now, it seems like he would potentially be staying with the Cardinals. So those are two quarterbacks where you have to be a little bit wary of the value and whether they would be quite as successful if they were to end up on a different team next season. Mm -hmm. Um, And I will say that it might be expensive to buy some of the elite quarterbacks right now, but I don't know that the divide has ever been bigger Yes. In both one yeah. quarterback and super flex leagues, That's right. I mean, the top tier or the top couple tiers of the 10 or 11 quarterbacks who have secure jobs and are, you know, week in, week out, top 12 quarterbacks, those are, are super valuable commodities. Mm-hmm. Again, even in one quarterback leagues and even more so in super flex formats. So this is a rare offseason yeah. where I would consider trading up in super flex startups instead of trading back to acquire more picks if you can get two or three of those top 10 quarterbacks, right? Was, because we know that people love, love to trade it, back love in it. startups. Uh, and it's smart, right? You want to get more draft capital, especially in startups. But again, this is a rare year where quarterback, you know, reliable quarterback production is so scarce that maybe it's worth trading up and zigging where others are zagging. I was just about, we're just about to start smash seven in, in a couple, in a couple days. And I was thinking the same thing. I mean, you got Allen, Mahomes, Hertz, Burrow, Herbert, Lamar, Fields, Lawrence, Kyler, and then, you know, Dak's okay. Tua's got his issues. Deshaun Watson, I think starts bumping up there. I think Trey Lance is a great buy low and then cousins. And then after that, it's Goff, Daniel Jones, Pickett, Rogers, Gino. I mean, Desmond Ritter has moved up into that area. Carr, Mac Jones, Tannehill. Gosh, I'm getting sick. You know, like it's it's a very big divide. And it, oh man, that middle hmm? quarterback doesn't really exist anymore. Getting yeah, it's, sick that, here, sorry. it's that Jim Carrey where he's like dry heaving. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I think Matthew Stafford is a nice buy low because I think he's gonna bounce back, but it's just like Russell Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean he ended up yeah, here. It, it's just, dude, so much done so much i mean this is the perfect podcast for us to all just start you can tell the excitement Buckle level up, in all of our voices yeah. it's going to be a great off season so many things to go on uh john anything why don't you tell everybody you know anything that you're working on right now any and obviously everybody knows where to find you at this point but same with mung so we'll go with you john yeah so really enjoyed the pod tonight it's great to have the band back together here and looking forward to Chopping up all, all offseason with you guys. Definitely tune into the pod. We're going to be bringing a lot of uh, analysts and a lot of fun at you. Look for a, a thread that I'm going to be putting out on this Patreon rookie mock that we did with landing spots. And we had a lot of fun. Had 12 guys come together on that one. And I'm going to be breaking that down. And then I'll be regularly posting on this class throughout the offseason. And so um, that's going to be. Uh, quite a bit of fun. I'm like you said. I'm pumped. You can find me at Dynasty underscore Trades. And Monk. 
Yeah, you guys can find me at FFA underscore Mung, M-E-N-G. And, uh, you know, it, it's been a couple of years since I, I did a Dynasty startup, but I'm kind of itching to do one. So maybe we'll see. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'll, <laughs> yeah, potentially. The Ocho. Uh, maybe, yeah, I went, yo, I went on in the Ocho can, too. Yo, can we can we get you in Smash 8 so I don't have to be in all of them? They want to play with one of them, and I'm the only degenerate that drafts in every single one. Maybe Mung and I will <laughs> tag team that one. Right? Yeah, yeah get yeah. it. I feel, yeah, maybe like co co own some squads in there, have a little bit of fun with it. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this off season. So uh, definitely might add a, a league to my uh, Finnish portfolio this off season. And uh, as always, for the listeners who stay till the end, uh, I'll give one final nugget before we sign off here. Um, one of the cheapest buys for me at a position that's pretty pretty thin already is Mike Kosicki, who's flashed huge athletic talent. Uh, uh, but, you know, in the Mike McDaniel offense was used uh, as often uh, as a blocker, which was mm-hmm. uh, the downfall of George Kittle for a few seasons now um, in, in Shanahan's scheme. And if Kosicki can go to a more pass happy offense where he can be the number two or even number three option on a, as a receiver more, um, I do think that he has top 10 or maybe even top five fantasy potential. Love it. Love it. Guys, we're, this is set up to be the best smash except year yet. The, the Patreon has grown out of just being on Twitter. The discord is getting set up. There's multiple tiers coming with that. You know, there's so many things we land, we launched smash or pass we're in the in the works about a third podcast and just guys i mean it is just growing and we we can't thank you guys enough you know for your listenership and everything that you guys have done to support us so we want to thank you guys again for tuning in and enjoy the process 2023